Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by these great companies that are giving us money to let you listen to their stuff. Bullshit, Kyle. We make this show. We make this show. You and me. Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by us. <laughs> Someone's got to pay the bills, Dan, because it's not our trading. <laughs> <laughs> All right, roll them. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by Financial Ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hat smiley face. Hello and welcome to the China Shop. You've made it for yet another thrill ride of adventure. I'm Shopkeeper Dan. As with me as always is Kyle, creator of FinancialNeptitude.com. How are you doing today, Kyle? Uh, I'm doing good. Dodging tornadoes, but it uh, looks like they've all passed. <laughs> That's right. You ducked out of the trading room a little early. Uh, well, no, that was not because of that. That was because I was doing terrible. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, glad you're doing good. We are joined today, folks. Back up off the edge of your seats. Take a deep breath by the amazing Anthony Fatsies. How are you doing today, Anthony? Um, I'm very well. Thank you, guys. How are you guys? Fantastic. Anthony is the uh, host of a crypto trading pro- podcast called uh, WT Finance. Very, very clever name. Very jealous. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I do a, bit, a few other things as well. Commodities, equities, everything like that. But um, but yeah, my, my true passion is uh, crypto and NFTs. It's a pretty exciting place. <laughs> you ever dabble with futures? No, not not, not myself. I'm uh, I'm looking into it, but yeah, I'm probably <laughs> just trying to find my place. I think in it all. Yeah, mm-hmm. we've we've been uh, kind of doing the same thing. Uh, I, I dabbled a little bit with crypto, but to me, it's. I don't like the nature of something that trades 24-7. Like, how do you turn it off? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't like that about crypto, but so you moved over to futures? <laughs> well, with futures, I can be done. Like, I don't treat it like an investment. Like, you, you know, you're trading it. When you're done, like, you're only in a position for five to ten minutes. With right. crypto, I imagine you're not. Well, I don't know. I guess you could treat it that way. Like, how do you actually trade crypto then <laughs> yeah you'd probably be pretty crazy doing it five to ten minutes i don't know if you guys have seen the volatility <laughs> but it can be <laughs> yeah. you know five or ten percent in uh literally in that time so uh yeah it's probably more swing trading i'd say uh it just depends some people love that stuff but i think it's just especially you know when you get in the one minute or the two minute time frame it's just a bit <laughs> some people call it like the, the crack time frames you know you have to be <laughs> on something sometimes just to just to be looking at it mm-hmm. right. So how did you find your way uh, to crypto? Tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to where you're at today. Yeah, definitely. So it's quite interesting. So um, I'm originally from Australia um, and basically how it works, I decided to move to the UK. Um, I don't know if I was crazy or or not, but I decided to (laughs) move over here to to study at university. And sort of my first year at university, um, I was looking to go entrepreneurial. Uh, You know, that's what I thought I wanted to do, starting the startup. And then uh, I don't know if it was a good thing or a bad thing. Someone introduced me to cryptocurrencies. Um, And I think, (laughs) and I'm like, oh, this this thing sounds pretty cool, (laughs) Um, which I'm sure everyone does. And I was like, oh, I'll put some money into it. And I I think my money halved in uh, the next day. (laughs) So I was like, shit. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, I got like the worst timing. I'm, if anyone knows, sort of like 2018, 
uh, just mm-hmm. after the bull run, basically. So it's on its way down. It's a, it's just around 6K, uh, Bitcoin is. And, um, oh, wow. you know, everyone's like, oh, the resistance is 6K. It's, you know, it's going to hold, it's going to hold. So I was like, okay, I'll put some money in. And yeah, it went to straight down to 3K the next day. Um, <laughs> oh, if, you're still, if you're still holding it, though, you're pretty happy. Yeah, right. yeah. So not, not doing too bad at the moment, but I, had this, I, was, I think I was just lucky I didn't have much money at the time. <laughs> that's sort of been my whole trading career. I'm, uh, I'm lucky I got in when I was I didn't have any money. And then now I've sort of learned a bit more and uh, that's made it a bit better. But um, but yeah, from there, I just I was so into crypto and, you know, I expanded to sort of interest in other assets like uh, Forex and equities and uh, commodities and everything like that. So I've sort of since then, I sort of have a passion. Um, uh, I sort of work at a few finance companies uh, doing equity analysts and I'm in my last year of university at the moment. So um, it's it's pretty cool. And uh, in, in the past year, I've just gone into NFT. So I guess it's the natural progression, <laughs> crypto and then NFTs. So. What about uh, when do you go to wrapped tokens? Is that after NFT? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> 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 oh, man, it'll be uh, whatever's more speculative. I think that, that's what everyone's looking for at the moment, isn't it? <laughs> My most burning question whenever I hear anybody's in NFTs are, uh, do you race NFT horses? <laughs> no, I don't. It looks pretty cool, though. Have you guys seen it? <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. I've been uh, I've been eyeballing it, trying to decide whether or not to take the jump. Yeah. Just, uh, they're freaking pricey. That, and that, that was... <laughs> it's almost as expensive as a real horse. <laughs> oh, literally. Probably... <laughs> Some of them are. I mean, God yeah, damn. you're almost getting to a thoroughbred, aren't you? Far yeah, out. But, um... <laughs> Daddy, you said you were going to buy me a pony. I did. It's on this hard drive. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. You see some like some people get their kids involved, and they're like, "Oh, they just I want to choose. I want that NFT, and it's like fifty thousand dollars." And like, "Oh yeah, okay, I'll buy it for you." <laughs> oh it's, 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 it, it is a, a a mental space at the moment, but um, but I think it's quite exciting as well. This. It depends how you look at it. Some are obviously uh, bought based on the art or based on the community and others are bought on uh, just, you know, if they, they think there'll be utility, like horse racing, that's a pretty cool example. Well, I see that one to me makes the most sense. But like digitizing like YouTube videos and things like that, like, uh, I don't know, do you see that sticking around? Do you think that's something that's going to hold value for long term or is it just kind of a fad? Um, I, I think they will have value, but it'll probably be more just based on the growth of the NFT community and the, you know, the NFT market itself. Um, I don't think they'll be the leaders though. So uh, as you said, you know, there's some mm-hmm. uh, memes and gifts and whatnot that have sold for half a million dollars and, you know, sometimes more, which is crazy to think, but yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's mental. Um, sorry. Do you think that you would ever leave an NFT? Can you picture a future where you're like leaving a very valuable NFT in your will to somebody? Like, is this going to hold value like fine art does? Do you think in the, in the future we'll get there? I think so. Have you guys heard of the, uh, I think it's a Beanie Babies case in like the 2000s, early 2000s or 1990? Well, that's actually exactly what I like in NFTs too, whenever people ask me. <laughs> so they remind me, they're like digital Beanie Babies. Yeah, and I, th- I think there was a case where they were like they had to sit on the floor, this couple, and like separate <laughs> the beanie babies. Like they had to choose one each, which is oh, uh, oh, yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah, literally. So divorcing at the time, it was worth like a oh, couple hundred God. thousand. Yeah, and the judge is like, no, you have to. <laughs> you know, they wanted to divide it in different ways. So, <laughs> uh, so and there's I've seen some memes where they're, they're replacing it with NFTs. Um, but yeah, I could see it. I don't know how soon that will happen. 
I, I know. Um, I'm oh, sorry. I was going to say, can you actually explain then what you're getting when you like, say, uh, Charlie bit my finger gets turned into an NFT and I buy it. Like, what am I actually getting? Yeah. So it's, um, for, for that case, you're basically getting proof that you own it. So how NFTs, obviously there's, there, um, there's a record on the blockchain proving when it was created and the transactions that have occurred after that on mm-hmm. the blockchain. So basically you have evidence that you own this original, you know, meme or NFT that was created. So it's almost like a, you know, a signature on a, piece of fine art or something like that or like a certificate of authenticity from a collectible that's basically what it is um will they have value in the future it's like most things it depends if there's if once someone's a buyer from you and if they want to pay how much you want to sell it for that, that's the real thing um yeah. I, I think with, with utilities uh with ones like the horse racing and there's a few others similar to that there's probably more potential that they could grow long term mm-hmm. yeah they've got a guaranteed audience to participate purchase yeah gamblers they're always a good market aren't they <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> and they're used to not they're used to losing money too <laughs> yeah unfortunately it's uh crazy to think but um but but yeah so i think and there's a few other projects similar to that um oh like what uh well there's some of sort of um creative marketplaces there's somewhere a lot i don't know if you guys have had a games um like a lot of nfts are sort of going to the games route so it's, it's almost like a character in a game that you can play and uh, uh yeah you can level up this character um or this nft and then you can sell it on for to someone who wants to obviously have a higher level character so there's there's stuff like that you know and that could expand to not just characters it could be weapons it could be armor it could be it, it basically could be anything that you think of in a game these nfts right. and um is it crazy that that makes more sense to me than than digitizing you know art like th- that makes a lot more sense to me like protect your character uh, figure out a way to make sure that it's unique and then yeah sell it to somebody who wants to you know cheat his way through world of warcraft oh literally well people have done it like yeah you say world of warcraft people bought accounts or bought gold or runescape from all these places right. if they're too lazy and they have the money yeah. they just do it <laughs> sorry you're about to say something before i cut you off there um, was that, uh, well, what I was going to say is like, if you think about the where, where the world is going, it's obviously going more digital, more online. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's probably going to get to the point where most people spend, you know, well, they're already doing it, but, you know, they're living in these games, virtual reality. It could be, you know, you see those crazy uh, movies where people, there's literally these alternate worlds that people live in. Like, I think Ready Player One is right. an example. And, and that's, yeah. and you know, when people live in that and then they have these NFTs, it's almost going to be like a status icon. It's like having a Louis Vuitton bag or having, and in my, I don't know if you guys know Minecraft, there's literally brands like, like that are as big as Nike in Minecraft. And you, you have to pay like hundreds and hundreds of dollars just to, to, to buy this, like shirts really. in my yeah and, and and that's the thing these kids are getting used to it so it's going to get to the point where as they get older you know this is where they want to put their money they want to be able to show up show off in, in a game rather than maybe in real life <laughs> right that still makes more sense to wow. me though. i could see us going down that route i mean it's vr gets better and better <laughs> i mean you know eventually somebody's going to create that virtual world where you can go and get a virtual job as a virtual blacksmith banging out swords <laughs> literally <laughs> you're playing the game but you're not even actually playing you're actually just going to work <laughs> my my grandfather bought a plot of land by the digital river and i'm just set for life yeah go out there catch my digital fish and <laughs> <laughs> cook it and then you're set right <laughs> 
but yeah, so I, I think that's where, you know, a lot of the utility is coming from. Um, and, and even, um, you know, I don't know if you guys remember like a few years ago, everyone was talking about blockchain as a savior for like supply chain and tracking different things. Mm. And what people are realizing is NFTs is actually how blockchain will, will do this. So um, because, mm. you know, if you think about non-fungible, it's basically unique. It's There's nothing else like it. So if you're transferring a car part from China to the US, it's, a, it's this NFT, like it's basically a way to track where it's gone between the right. route to the factory into the car. That, that's another opportunity. Almost like a UPC code, but just uh, but one that you can't just draw lines and duplicate. <laughs> yeah, literally. And it's uh, and it's because it's uh, on the blockchain. It means that, you know, it's immutable. It means that no one can change it. There's no potential fraud of a possible. Um, it will it costs a lot and be very it be almost impossible for that to happen. So, yeah, that's another opportunity which I, which I think is pretty cool. So, is anybody using that now? Is uh, do you know of any companies that are using blockchains for their their supply chain tracking? Not at the moment. No, it seems like everyone's sort of jumping more on the the bandwagon of trying to sell it for as you know these <laughs> know fashion companies done it and you know and you know Pepsi and all these big companies are just doing it to try and I don't know keep up with it or. I'll just try to, uh, you know, be fashionable, but um, right, I think right. that's that's sort of the next step. And and what's happening is a lot. There's a lot of development in the in the background. So um, because they've they have been around for a few years, but really only the last year mm-hmm. is when they've just exploded. So I think I think it'll probably take could be another year or two until we see this being implemented. But then from there, it's you know that that's where the real opportunity is. I think if you mentioned like like a company in China right now they've outlawed the exchange of cryptocurrency. Are they still going to be able to exchange NFTs if they can't do crypto? Yes, that's interesting. I'm, I'm not too sure how that would work. I guess, you know, that, <laughs> there'll be a blockchain. They could probably create their own blockchain, uh, <laughs> which, and that's, that's my, might be what we see where every company has their own individual blockchain and then these NFTs are, you know, just traded. But it's not on Ethereum. It's not on uh, Solana or any of these other. And, you know, they, they have many uh, sort of, weaknesses as well if you think about how much a transaction costs in ethereum you know sometimes it can right. be 50 to 100 dollars per transaction which is you know i'm sure a company wouldn't want to be doing that but when they transfer something uh from one factory to another so that, that could be what happens or they just you know you use another one that's a lot less expensive so is china actually against digital or uh, cryptocurrencies or are they just don't want any competition for their digital yen i think i think that's well um, the, the main issue has been people taking money out of the country and they've had mm-hmm. that issue for years. If you think about, I'm not sure if it's the same in the U S but I know in Australia and the UK, oh, yeah. yeah, there's just investment everywhere. And a lot of the times it will be someone wealthy and, you know, it's safer to have it in Australia or the UK than having it in China because there's less, you know, we've seen what's happened, the manipulation that happens there and, and basically the control that they're trying to put on the people. If you, if you transfer right. it to the US, Australia, UK, at least there you have, you know, you know, the laws will. Yeah. There's not an authoritarian dictatorship that's going to, you know, freeze your assets because you, you criticize the financial uh, policies of your country and of speech. Literally, or basically destroy, yeah, <laughs> destroy your <laughs> 200 billion IPO or whatever it was. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh god! <laughs> Literally, uh, it, it disappeared, didn't it? It was like what, it was like the biggest story ever, and then it's just disappeared since then. 
I thought I saw something pop up the other day about it, uh, about going through like another round of fundraisers, but I don't think it's going to have nearly the same valuation that it was initially. Because I think the latest stuff yeah. I've been seeing too is they're trying to break that up even more. Yeah, I think it was a lot of it was based on debt, so it's like micro loans to individuals, and we've seen what's the issues that they have with debt in China, which is mm-hmm. probably common everywhere in the world at the moment. Um, yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we've all talked about that so much the past few weeks. <laughs> it's uh, the only thing I've heard. And then Fantasia. <laughs> uh, God, how about... Yeah, Fantasia Fallen. I forgot where I want to... Talk. There's so many things that I want to ask you about. Um, uh, was it El Salvador, like, uh, switching over to Bitcoin? Um, I think we just t- looked at a story recently about a volcano that they've uh, tried to turn into a geothermal plant to generate Bitcoin from. Have you been following any like the the world news on any of that kind of stuff? Yeah, well, I think it's super interesting. I think it's probably a good play for, especially you know, countries that are poorer and they might not have the you know obviously stability and infrastructure that um, other Western countries have. You know, if you look at what we've seen over the past ten years with with cryptocurrencies, you know, it's gone mm-hmm. up over a million percent. It's mental. So for them, it, it, it's a way, literally, El Salvador being the first to try and take advantage of it um you know it will it will, won't always go up so, you know it won't always be a parabolic right. push up but I, but i think it's you know it's a way for them to elevate their country to you know you could almost say you look at what happened in the middle east in the 70s where once they took control of the the oil then they've just been mm-hmm. some of the wealthiest countries in the world so, you know could could this be another opportunity for uh, uh you know these low income countries to actually you know, go all in on crypto, have this investment come into their country, you know, because there's so much money in crypto and these people, the, the white, big whales, you could say, are looking for countries like this that are very friendly on crypto that where they can use it. So, you know, it, it's a little bit easier. So I think it's smart. Um, it, it is a social experiment though. So who, who knows what will happen? <laughs> they're, they're sort of leading the way, aren't they? Does Well, does uh, foreign governments getting involved with it, does that cause you any trepidation i know like the u.s is starting to take more interest i think that uh what we just said the doj i think uh, formed its own crypto task force what was that cnet dan i think it was called nset yeah because it sounds like nseds yeah so the u.s is starting to look at trying to do some regulation i think the um, i would worry that the more governments you get involved in having a vested interest in in cryptos the the more regulation you're going to see and that's kind of like the big thing that attracts people to crypto is that it's not tied to any governments or mm-hmm. foreign entities such as that. Yeah, well, I think it will be a massive thing because, um, you know, if you look at, you could say the uh, sort of monetary policies of most of the Western countries, what it's basically what they're looking for is, you know, they're saying that they think it'll be transitory inflation, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see that in the future. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, my breath. <laughs> no, literally. But then at the end of the day, it's a way for, you know, I, I talked to a professor on my podcast the other day and he's literally saying it's, you know, it's a way for them to steal from the, you could say the, the elderly people who have lots of savings and cash and, and mm-hmm. but potentially dis- distri- redistribute it to the, the younger people who are, you know, they'll, they'll get it through increases in wages and, um, and all these different ways. But, you know, if, if you tell people that that's your plan, <laughs> No one's going to keep cash. <laughs> and, you know, everyone's just, yeah. and that's the issue. They, they can't tell anyone. Like, it's the same as, you know, I just look at all these, they, they all have ulterior mo- uh, motives. That they don't want you to freak out and to lose faith in, you know, in what, in what they're doing. So I, I think 
regulation will potentially be an issue, obviously, if they prevent people from being able to, um, you know, withdraw into the real world. But mm-hmm. from what I've seen, it's, you know, it is quite integrated. There is ways of doing it. Uh, so, yeah, it, it is a risk, but I guess it depends if you're looking at it as a currency or, you know, Ethereum is more of a, um, you know, a ecosystem of, of smart contracts. And it's, you know, it's basically a way that you can have these businesses like, you know, I'm sure you guys have heard of DAOs, Decentralized Autonomous um, organizations. So it's basically a business without there being anyone. It's all based on code and contracts, which is pretty cool. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, that sounds so futuristic when you just explain it. Like that. <laughs> it's yeah. Oh man. Sometimes you just look at these things and you're like, holy shit, this is this is mental. Like as you said, it's something that you think you know from a movie or a, a futuristic movie. Yeah, back to the future, right? Like yeah. What we all bitching about? Where's our hoverboards and flying cars? And I think there's a robo taxi that's uh, just working on taking orders for delivery now. And I I just saw a hoverboard in the fucking Walmart the other day. Really, that's <laughs> mental. Like, all right, okay, well, maybe maybe Back to the Future was right. I mean, hell, I think the the Tampa Bay uh, baseball team won the World Series. Is that a year after they okay. they showed them as the the, the Chicago Cubs? Oh, the, 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 sorry, the, it was the Cubs and the yeah. Rays, I think, in the World Series, wasn't it? Wish I could have put some money on the Cubbies. <laughs> was Go back in time, put some money on the Cubbies. I'll look that up while you ask another question. <laughs> <laughs> if you could go back in time and tell yourself to buy one crypto one year ago, which one would it have been? One year ago. Um, well, just for the ones I know, I'm sure there's probably one, some that I'm missing. Um, but it's probably Solana. Have you, have you guys heard of Solana? Yeah. No, I don't think I've, I've, I have heard the of The name it. sounds familiar, but I don't remember what it is. Yeah. So it's one that's it's done very well. So let's just say at the start of the year, it was $1. And now it's it got to 220 a few months ago. And now it's hovering around 160. Yeah. yeah so 160 times wouldn't... <laughs> even, if I could, even if I could just do nine months, I'd be happy with that. <laughs> Going back nine months. But um, right. But yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting because it's another way, uh, it's another similar to Ethereum is smart contracts, but the, the real benefit of it is that it can actually have lots of transactions at once. So 400,000 transactions a second, uh, and the fees are very low. So, Whoa. you know, rather than paying, having these gas wars where you might pay $50 to your hundred, potentially more if it's very busy, this, this is only, you know, it's a few, I think it's a dollar or less potentially. I know it's like 0.01 Solana. So it, it's it's hardly anything, um, maybe one dollar sixty. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. And like I was talking to, I'm not that big in the tech, but I was talking to um, a friend who's very technical, and he was just saying like it's so simple. This this system, the blockchain, is so simple, and but it's it's mind blowing. Like the guy's either crazy, like insane, or is a genius who's created it. So, uh, <laughs> which basically there's no cryptography um, at all, which is so there's no. Huh. The way they do it is all all the computers that run a node or the you know the transactions they all run at the same time. Basically, they're like these massive beasts of computers that run at the same time, and they confirm these transactions all at the same time. So mm-hmm. there's no cryptography at all. So it basically makes it so much cheaper to do. They can do so much much more, and they and they have smart contracts on it as well. So uh, I, I'm quite. Solana would be the one, and uh, they they have NFTs as well, and that's sort of the community I'm more engaged in at the moment. So tell me, why would Jack Dorsey be so big on <laughs> hamster coin? 
Amsterdam? I haven't even heard of that. What's that? (laughs) (laughs) According to Jack Dorsey, that is the crypto that is the biggest threat to Ethereum or Bitcoin. I think he's even, he says it's going to be bigger than Ethereum. Amsterdam. Yeah, that's what make it or something. <laughs> <laughs> right? Was it a joke? I I don't know. He didn't seem to be joking. It's hard to know. He's like sometimes he speaks with lots of sense, and sometimes it's just mental. I think. I don't know if you guys agree, Jack Dorsey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me have a look. Yeah, I don't think it, like had a massive spike. Maybe when he mentioned it, and then it it's probably like, was around that time. When was that day? And now it's like, yeah. Oh yeah, it's gone up a bit. I, don't, I honestly don't know. I'll have to get back to you on that. But yeah, that's, about, that's the issue though, because there's so many like am- amazing projects, I'm sure. Yeah, and there's like, because you think about it, there's so many developers in the world, and there's so many people who want to be like the one and the person who's, you know, creates the next unicorn or the next, um, you know, uh, you could say right. Vitalik, like who created Ethereum. So they're all sort of working on their own things, and a lot of them aren't that different. They have all these, you know, different perks and different, uh, a few different things here and there, but most of them are quite similar. So it, it is quite hard. Do any of them do anything other than like busy work for as far as like mining the coins? Like, has anyone created a project of like trying to map near Earth asteroids or sequence the human genome? You know, chart the the Hubble picture. Yeah, anything like that. I, I think the issue would be the, the price of it because if you think about like how much transactions are at the mm-hmm. moment, it's just it's mental. So it, you know, you, you can imagine the data that would be required. To, to do any of those things so not 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 at the moment unfortunately um for, from what i know that you know i may be mistaken but um and there's so much out there but it, it is definitely something in, for, for the future and you know if you think about as you said there's like the amount of power that goes into these like you think of bitcoin and you know right. i think i've seen it can run like you know it's the same as like you know, states potentially the amount of power that goes into it so it's uh, over here they're buying up uh, gas or shut down gas and coal plants in order to <laughs> turn them back on and fund the the mining operations oh really well we're, we're having a massive um there's like an energy crisis or i don't know you probably guys probably heard of it in the uk and the eu um mm. because i think we've transitioned too quickly to renewables yep <laughs> and then they're realizing hang on if you rely lots on gas and the price goes up then you're fucked <laughs> it's very expensive <laughs> then <laughs> yep yeah but um but no, that, that El Salvador thing you mentioned as well is pretty cool. I know Iceland, they have, because they have geoth- lots of geothermal energy. They're mm-hmm. the same. Like, and, and that's, I think, where, it, you know, obviously cheap energy. And if you can, you know, create these systems where you can mine Bitcoin and the energy is, you know, negligible, the energy costs are negligible, then you're going to be very profitable because that's the major cost involved. I just wish uh, I would invest you know, hand over fist <laughs> into the first coin that does something useful with all that computing power. Yeah. I, I I think it's Algorand, I think. I've heard it. Like, that's the issue. There's so many to keep up with. But yeah, I know. And, and there's so many good developers as well. Like, I think this guy is like a you know, PhD at MIT and he runs his own and runs this and that. Which one? You said Algorand? Yeah, Algorand. Have you guys heard of it? No, I've not heard of that one. It, it's quite interesting. And, you know, but they, they haven't blown up in price. But And that's, that's what we're seeing at the moment. Like, there's so much development happening. So sometimes the price doesn't always represent like, you know, the value that it's actually providing. A lot of the times the price is just a few uh, influences yeah. mentioned it or, you know, or, or, or someone, uh, or there's a few big whales. And, and what I've found in NFTs as well is if, if you get whales behind it, so people with, you know, lots of crypto, lots of money to support it, that's when 
you know, you see the other people. It's a classic phrase like ape in. So they're just, they see the price go up and they're like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to get in. <laughs> that's what, that's what the uh, Wall Street bets people and the degenerates call it. <laughs> you see, you see the price going up and you ape in. So that's what we need is what you're saying. We need to have a, a massive whale before we launch our, our bullish coin. Bullish, yeah. it, bullish life yeah. that we need to going with. Get Logan Paul or something to uh, shield it. <laughs> I think it was bullish IT. That'd be great. What's the, uh, why don't you do like uh, two bulls in a China shop coin well, or something? Because I wanted to spell bullshit. Okay. <laughs> 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 oh, some of them are like, like cum coin and like shit like that. <laughs> I'm sorry. It, it, might be, it, yeah. it might have already happened. You, you never know. <laughs> uh, it probably already did, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's uh, yeah. a lot of interesting people out there. <laughs> so but you do trade other things besides crypto though. What else do you like to, uh, to dip your toes in? Yeah, so I've been um, sort of the last few months, it's mainly been equities. I've sort of had a, I've been working at a, small equity boutique uh equity funds uh so it's been going pretty well just been looking at uh you know they sort of looked at emerging markets so i was looking at specific specifically vietnam which i find pretty interesting um as well as the u.s market um but but yeah so that i do that commodities have been super interesting with gas oil you know if i think i think the metals as well there's a huge potential for that over the coming years what about Nigeria as far as developing markets? Do you guys look at anything over there? No, we didn't really look at Africa. Um, we mainly looked um India, sort of Vietnam, uh, and the Asian region. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think the issue with Nigeria, from what I say, uh, you know, obviously I'm not an expert, but there is quite a lot of corruption. So right, that, yeah. that could be another risk as well. Um, from what I was, unfortunately, in like, a, yeah, a lot of those African countries, it can be quite hard to enter that. I don't know about Nigeria, but Vietnam could be, you know, you have to sort of register it. A broke at a broker in the country and then you, you know it's like mm-hmm. three days to buy and like two days to sell so it's quite a you know it's different to what, what we think about in the in the us or like the uk where it's like yeah instantaneous so uh that's what i've I learned over those few months like there's quite a lot of barriers involved and you know there's these costs that you wouldn't normally have to take into account in the more liquid markets that we trade in so, so if you call your broker and say, okay, I want to sell all my shares of you know, XYZ, and then he says, okay, I'll call you back in two days and tell you what price you got. <laughs> yeah, literally. I think <laughs> you, can do it over the web, you can do it over the uh, over online. But yeah, but like, and that's how the whole stock market works. It's not even just a broker. Oh, so, God. Yeah. So, but, but, but the crazy thing is it's only been around, I think it's only been around for 15 years. And, and that's the opportunity. Like you, you think of it, mm-hmm. you know, I think the UK stock exchange has been around for hundreds and hundreds of years, you know, the US over a hundred years. Right. Yeah. And, and you think about, you know, Vietnam is literally only 15 years. Like, and I think um, 10 years ago, it had like a market capitalization of like 10, like it's 5 billion or 10 billion, you know, t- tiny, the whole, the whole stock exchange was that. And even now I think the whole stock exchange is only about 200 billion, mm-hmm. which is, you know, less than the GDP of the, of the whole country, which is, right. you know, you, th- you think of other <laughs> the US, how big the US stock market is or the UK <laughs> or, or, you know, or the European, it's, it's mental to think. So, but yeah, I think there's opportunities over there and I think they'll sort of have, uh, there'll be advantage with obviously the rifts between China and uh, the US and the Western countries. There'll be a lot of advantage mm-hmm. in a lot of those, uh, you know, India and Vietnam and a lot of those other Asian countries. Are, are you having to change your strategies to deal with supply to deal with supply chain issues when you're doing commodities? Yeah, I think well, it's it's a it is a pretty crazy thing to think. Like, have you guys experienced it like at all the supply chain issues over there? Uh, I mean, just weird things. Just 
can't find um, the most part right now. It's ammo, but uh, not too long ago, it was toilet paper and paper towels. Yeah, Lysol wipes, random shit like that. <laughs> Here in Tucson, Kyle, it's at the point where random random store shelves will be empty. I was just at Walmart the other day, and I it wasn't too bad. Uh, I think my wife had trouble finding a fan the other day, but we went to we went to one a couple days ago, and I had no problem finding one. Yeah, well, I, you could almost say that's also a um like labor shortage as well we're having that in the uk i don't think it's happening in the us i think most of it here is labor shortages uh like just can't get enough people to work the ports to offload the equipment and can't get enough people to drive the equipment it's just i know it's a really weird time that we're in i think that uh uh this is all just speculation on my behalf but we talked about this last episode i think it's just a lot of the older generation that's at retirement age got forced out and then decided hey maybe i can retire and so they didn't go back and then you've also got all the younger people now who are saying, why the fuck would I want to go back and work for $12 an hour when, you know, my rent's gone up, you know, double in the last year. Yeah. And you know, I, I can empathize with, with them completely. I work a, mm-hmm. I'm a university. I work a minimum wage job. I think it's like nine pound an hour as well as doing all this stuff. And if I, if I didn't have to, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be there. <laughs> if I could like, uh, I know uh, in the U S you've had sort of, uh, you know, uh, unemployment benefits that were quite high in the past yeah and that sort of recently stops it, i would probably have done <laughs> i would have been doing my podcast doing that if you know if, right. if i could have i think because at the end of the day like it's you know they're tough jobs they're not they're, they're horrible like you have to deal with customers and not not all of them are horrible yeah. but <laughs> you get those few that just uh you know they, they work you like crazy you're always understaffed you know all these issues but um but yeah, we've had that in the UK, UK as well. Um, and yeah, there was a, I don't know if you guys saw, there was a uh, run on the petrol stations. So we actually ran out of, you know, gas out oh, of petrol. Really? So um, yeah, there was literally, <laughs> the, the news mentioned it like, oh, there's a supply chain issue with drivers, uh, not enough drivers being able to actually take the petrol to the stations. And right. then everyone freaked out. So there, literally you couldn't get, you know, petrol anywhere or gas anywhere so they're, they're all shut all, all the stations huh. so yeah you, you can imagine like it just goes to show that this you know you could say it's the, the just in time uh error which we've had over the past right. 20 years it's really yep. being tested with the uh you know almost people have started going crazy because of covid and because of a lot of the issues and uh and, and the supply chains is breaking down because if there's any interruptions there you know <laughs> it's going crazy so if you guys are experiencing shortages or labor shortages in uh, the UK, like what do you guys, what do they attribute it to over there? Just out of curiosity. Yeah. Well, I think it's a few things. Um, you go, obviously, you know, you've probably talked about Brexit. So it's a massive thing. And, mm-hmm. um, and I think what has happened is obviously uh, there was almost unlimited availability of labor. So uh, how it would work is if you lived in any of the other 30 countries, you could move to the UK um, without a visa basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that, that's been shut off over the past year. So that's obviously, you know, prevents oh. a lot of young people. Yeah. A lot of young yeah. people. And I, I think it, you know, it may be good for potentially raising wages because there's not, you know, if there's not limited supply, these employees are going to have to start actually competing for, <laughs> for, for the, for the uh, people. So that's an issue. Um, there was also because obviously COVID, I don't know if you guys know, there was like a, red listing countries so if you were from there you'd have to uh isolate in a hotel and pay like two thousand pounds so oh, that was uh, yeah. prevent yeah preventing people so people had gone home for the summer to right who, who were residents in the uk but were european they went home for the summer and then they didn't want to pay that money to come back so that mm-hmm. that was another issue um 
so yeah, that, that's sort of what I'm, yeah. So it was, it was like all these things combined. Um, also last year, a lot of the, just looking at the um, truck drivers, a lot of their tests got canceled. So I think 50,000 to 100,000 tests got canceled. So, you know, all, all these things sort of culminated into one. <laughs> oh, so new drivers right. weren't hitting. Yeah, the exactly. Right. Yeah. And probably what you mentioned before, lots of people retiring, like, you know, over COVID, they were probably <laughs> works like crazy. So a lot of the older guys and girls were retiring. Um, so yeah, so it's all these things sort of culminated and then there was a massive increase in demand. So I think it was like normally they'd sell like three thirty thousand liters of petrol or that's like what eight eight or nine thousand gallons of petrol. Mm-hmm. Um you know, from a station it was it quadrupled from these stations because right. there was people freaking out. So <laughs> it, it was all, all these factors going into it. Um but yeah, but I think it shows that yeah, we're probably going to see a lot of, I don't know if you guys agree with this, a lot of onshoring in the future. So there's been these, these supply chains are so complex and they run through so many countries. And, you know, these car, you know, if you look at a car, it could have components from hundreds, you know, or maybe right. tens of different countries. So uh, I think we'll, we'll, we will start to see slowly, especially with the increase of automation, uh, a lot, lot more people and a lot more of these uh, products onshoring. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that was a bit of a long explanation of it all. <laughs> Just... Left me a little speechless. Just trying to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Processing it all. A lot of good stuff. Well, I guess I guess to circle back to my earlier question because I I probably wasn't asking it clearly enough. Like, uh, am I understanding correctly that that you'll trade in in commodities? You said that. Oh yes, yeah, so I, I do trade commodities as well. It's more sort of just um you know long short in the direction of the <laughs> of it. Um. Oh, so what? But what happens to like if you have a contract and the supply chain is gummed up? Are there expiration dates on those commodities contracts? No, so I don't think you actually have it in the US, but over here you can have, um, you don't actually need to do option trading or futures trading. You can actually get, um, you can actually li- literally just open up a long trade or a short trade and it's almost like perpetual. Uh, like it, it, it keeps open forever, so there's no expiration of it. Oh. Yeah, so it's like, I think it's something that was available maybe pre 2008 in the US, but no, but I think after that they just, made it 100 percent, you know options but yeah so you get like if i have a feeling of what what the price is i can literally just open up a, a long position um with some leverage and then and then hold it to you know put a stop list in and then hold it to the point where i think it is the best price huh right yeah so it's probably not it's not using options or futures yet at the moment but um but yeah it's a way to i guess you could you know all, all these commodities have have been influenced massively by, by obviously the Fed and, and everything that's, you know, all the macroeconomic uh, environment. So, you know, it's keeping an eye on that. And then from there thinking, okay, what direction do I think the house is going to go based on that? And then. So if um, you went long on like wheat, you mm-hmm. couldn't just, uh, you know, call up the, the exchange and be like, Hey, can I take my, my bushels now? No, no, it's just more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be concerned if they call me. I said, no, it's more. It's hundred percent speculative. On it all. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard that. Like it was um, yeah. during when oil went negative. These people were stuck with this, you know, these bar- these uh, massive trucks of oil, and these. Bar- mm-hmm. I don't know if you heard about that. Yeah, and they literally had nowhere to store it because they were speculators, but they couldn't get rid of their contracts before expiration. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh man, Anthony, come pick up your oil. You had the contract. You got to collect it. We don't have a warehouse for it. Literally. Stick so that's why I like, I think that's why I went to negative 140 US at one point. Cause these traders were freaking out. They're like, where the hell am I going to put this? <laughs> that makes a lot more sense though. Not how that actually happened. Actually we're cause like we're dabbling in it now. 
And I was thinking, like, God, to get paid to buy a contract of oil? That sounds brilliant. Uh, no, 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 it doesn't. <laughs> no, yeah, you, you have to offload it. And that's why yeah. the, the prices massively change uh, expiration from what I've heard. But uh, not, not normally that massive. Not normally hundreds of dollars. <laughs> um, so, right. so you guys have said you started dabbling in it. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Sorry, was yeah. We're we're currently sim trading. Well, he's sim trading. I tried going live today after having a lot of good success sim trading, and uh, yeah, once I flipped it over to the live, then everything dried up. Oh, it's sad, isn't it? <laughs> so, I might be back to sim tomorrow. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah. So is that futures commodity trading? Uh, yeah, just S and P futures. Oh yeah. Okay. Cool. Trading the the mini contracts. Oh, nice. Is it? Did you say wheat or is it other stuff as well? Uh, no, we. I just stick with the the S and P. We We're, could do oil. We could trade any anything that goes through the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. I think we might have to change our subscription if we want to get uh, the anything other than oil and and the S and P uh, minis. Yeah, it's, it's crazy because over here you can literally just open up an account. You can just open up an account and put you know. A couple hundred pounds on a long, and then yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, you, know, you can close it once. Yeah, so it's uh, the regulation is so different over here. And in well, here it's, it's the same it's Australia, four hundred dollars worth of margin to be long uh, an SFP contract, which is what is it a thousand times forty four hundred right now? Mm. And we have something called spread betting. I don't know if you guys have heard of that. No. So it's like it's the same thing that I was saying. Like you open up a long, but it's almost it's you're not actually trading any. Uh, shares or any commodity or anything. It's like almost like a gamble on the price. Mm-hmm. So there's no extra risk on it. It's sort of same as trading. But once you you know cash out, there's there's no tax in the UK on your profits. <laughs> so basically, you don't have any capital gains tax. Yeah. So um, it, it is one of the massive advantages. And that's in all the UK. Yeah, it's all in the UK. I think it's uh, yeah. I don't think they do it anywhere else, unfortunately. I'm looking for real estate. I know, there right? now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's mental to think because yeah, it's, that's that's why uh, you know some people are trading forex or commodities or a- anything like that. It's they can literally cash out and no tax. Hmm. Yeah, and it makes a difference. Remember, I think it's is it twenty percent over there. Well, it depends on the state, I guess. Uh, it depends on also how much you made yep. too. Oh yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. So can you can you if you open up a long like you throw a couple hundred pounds in, mm-hmm. open up a long, can you go negative? Or does it just close out your position? No, you can go negative. Um, it depends if you obviously have other money in your account. So, you know, it, say you have a thousand pounds in your account, you chuck a few hundred pounds on, it will sort of take up that, the amount of money in your actual account. Um, and obviously, if you go below that, they'll close it up or, you know, potentially margin call you beforehand. Yeah, they always get their money, Dan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> There's no way to trick it. I saw the Robinhood, some of the whole Robinhood traders went hundreds, like, I don't know if you saw that, the options traders, like young kids, went yeah. hundreds of thousands of dollars in negative, which is mental to think. That was such a weird thing, too, because I think if he would have, I don't know if that was set to auto-liquidate those positions after the options expired, because I think that what happened was the options that he was holding expired in the money, and then it just purchased all the shares for him. But because he didn't actually have the money to hold the shares, I think it would have just liquidated those and given him the basically the proceeds hmm. oh, like okay. if you just would have waited until you know the market opened the next day it probably would have been fine oh yeah be freaked out it's, it's... but but uh, it's just the problem of letting somebody who has no fucking clue what they're doing <laughs> <laughs> like you should never have been right. able to 
to hold or leverage that big of a position. Yeah, it, it is crazy. And I guess that's why, you know, you can say that a lot of these very speculative assets, why they've gone up so much, like NFTs, like collectibles, like, you know, because everyone's obviously the, the barrier to entry has been lowered because you don't need that much money mm-hmm. and, you know, the fees are quite low. And these, you know, you don't have to go to a broker who will charge you an arm and a leg. You can just open up an app, uh, you know, put an app, put your over here, you just put your driver's license on and then you basically got an account. Um, you don't need to tell them any other details. Yeah. So, you know, you can say that. Couple that with uh, so many people having so much free time now, then yeah, the yeah. it's just ripe for people to be jumping in and learning how to do it. Yeah, literally. And, you know, it is a good thing that people are trying to invest. I guess it's just about them doing it, you know, the right way. And <laughs> maybe you guys, it sounds like, you know, you got the Sims open and you're learning. That's that's the way to do it rather than I, I jumped straight in head first. And that was definitely a mistake. Well, we part. did that with options. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've had an expensive education with options, for sure. Literally, yeah. One, one of the guys um, I interviewed, he said, uh, the stock market is a very expensive place to learn who you are. <laughs> that was his, <laughs> I think he got it from someone else, but it's so true. <laughs> and, and any market in general. Well, um, one of the guys that we have on quite often, George Papazov from, from uh, uh, the Trade Pro Academy, where we they gave us uh, access to all their courses. But one of the things that he says is, when you take a loss, then you just need to think of it as paying your tuition, yeah. <laughs> because there really isn't like a school that you can go to to learn how to do all this stuff. Like you just have to. A lot of it's trial and error. Yeah, literally, and I guess that's a lot of people find that really str- like a struggle, don't they? There's no like black and white. There's no right or wrong. It's so much gray in between, and mm-hmm. you know that, that's why I guess so many people <laughs> struggle with it. And then obviously our emotions come into it and that just screws everything up. So <laughs> yep. it's all emotion. Literally. But um, I'm right and the market's wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We get uh, vindictive, don't we? Where, where, like, right. yep. <laughs> it's going to turn around. It's going to turn around, especially like uh, um, double yeah. down. <laughs> Shit. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is one of the more frustrating things. You can have all the indicators, all the qualifiers, everything looks like it's a good trade and you make the trade and then just the irrationality of the market doesn't respect that. Yeah. Just not a good trade. Yeah. It's a classic Warren Buffett quote. It's a, like a, it's a voting machine, isn't it, in the short term? Stock markets. It's a what? It's a voting machine. A voting, voting machine. machine. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, it's just easier to understand than the ones that we have here. Oh, yeah. I know. <laughs> Was that yeah, too political, Dan? Do we need to cut that? <laughs> <laughs> Careful. They'll be after you. They'll come after you. No, I know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I was warned. I interviewed this guy. Um, He's from the US and he was like a geopolitical expert. And he's like, yeah, careful. The Chinese and Russian trolls will be after you because <laughs> we talk very much about China and stuff like that. We have bashed China like you wouldn't believe. And I have yet to see any trolls. We've been yeah. hoping for some. Oh, it, it's fun. That's the thing. It's like, come on, come at me. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm waiting. Oh, do you want to start beef? We've been looking for someone to have beef with. Yeah. This <laughs> is exciting. I, I did just have, like a podcast sorry. feud. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, we could do that. Like, just to, like uh, simulate like a feud, and then like the boxers do. You know, they pretend like they're worst enemies, and they hug and <laughs> they, they hug and uh, and laugh after the fight. Just or to like Andy Kaufman with that other wrestler, <laughs> Jerry Lawler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, we just, need get, just need to get on the Tonight Show. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll call my yeah. agent. Someone's going to take a fear. Someone's going to take a punch. <laughs> going to do it for the fame. I'll do it. I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. 
that's all it took was a shot in the mouth to get famous, I'd we already be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was that easy. <laughs> Uh, and I realized that sounded dirty. Well, Kim, that's how Kim Kardashian did it. No, 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 no that's true. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I won't go that way, I don't think. <laughs> Do we have any fun stuff for Anthony? He says he's from Australia. I figure we could probably ask him some Australian questions. Yeah, what's a good Australian food? Good Australian food. Um, have you had a meat pie before? I have had meat pie before. Yeah. Well, they're like, Not an Australian meat pie. No, they're like... Pretty well known. Um, I don't think there's anything special about them, so I don't know why they're well known. But um, <laughs> I do know this place where they have like hundreds of pies. And I think they have like crocodile and they have like all this like uh, bacon and cheese and like all these crazy like curry pies and everything. But um, if you ever go to Australia, that is pretty well known. Um, a Lemington. Have you heard of Lemington? Mm-mm. No. It's no. like a spongy cake with like uh, chocolate and coconut surrounding it, which is quite good. Okay. Uh, I- What's the deal with the gay bar? The gay bar? What? <laughs> is that not is that not a popsicle down there? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the golden gay time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what <laughs> yeah, no, I was, I was thinking like, what is he talking about now? Yeah, the golden gay time. Yeah, that's a uh, it's a popsicle, yeah, it's quite <laughs> <laughs> kind of funny. Enough. I think it was named quite a few years ago when gay was um obviously happy, but um but yeah, it's uh, they they're really tasty as well. If you go down, you should have one. Um, can you <laughs> can you explain? They're really good. Can you explain Nutella's uh, marketing schemes down there? Have they finally gotten away from their their blackface celebration? <laughs> oh, I haven't seen that actually. <laughs> oh, that didn't. I, I swear, I was reading about that. They used to because their Nutella is dark. Like, put it on their face for some reason oh my god oh yes i think i saw something like i think that happened a while ago i think you guys moved on a few years ago yeah <laughs> or, veg- or vegemite as well you guys had a vegemite yeah i've heard of it yeah yeah how thick should i spread the vegemite on my toast oh it's very uh that's a very it's a personal personal thing <laughs> it's it's up for negotiate yeah very personal yeah so I, I do it not very thick but some people like lather it like half a half a jar of it <laughs> i think yeah it's got a very distinct taste that you i don't think you'd want too much but some people are okay. mad I've, I've pulled up a website here this should this should offer some fun uh, it's how does how to swear like an australian so i'm going to give oh, you some yeah. ex- some phrases and have you explain what they actually mean yeah, tr- yeah. translate them yeah just drop, drop um, the seat on basically yeah <laughs> <I thought laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, fuck me dead yeah yeah uh, fair suck of the salve what is that what is it fair suck of the salve fair suck of the salve oh i'm not sure there is there's this one funny bloke he's, he's a rugby player his name's mm-hmm. uh, the honey badger nice and he like talks cl- yeah he's got like long blonde curly hair it's great he talks classic like it's almost like you know australian country lingo and it's just it's perfect like right up the drain pipe uh you know i was like uh Sweating like a gypsy with a mortgage, like sweating like a one-armed bricklayer in Baghdad, like you know, just shit like that. And like, yeah. So some people like they have those analogies. Uh, um, what's a darrow? A darrow. Oh, uh, how do you explain? Maybe like a hillbilly sort of. <laughs> a, your version of redneck. Yeah, yeah, redneck. Bogan as well is sort of similar to that. Bogan, yep, I see that here. Yeah, Drongo. Drongo, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> we have so many names just for the same thing. It's just like yeah, no one's in the end anything. There's some great stuff on here. I I proudly admit I come from proud 
Drongo heritage. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I won't go any more in depth into that then. I'm going to start slacking them off. <laughs> How mad would you be if I said you had dad's disease? Oh, I, I haven't heard that one. Okay. This, uh, it's an acronym yeah. for dumb as a dog. Oh, dumb okay. as dog shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, there's like a, um, a mug like a sucked mango. That's like... <laughs> It's always really ugly. Yeah, it's like stuff like that. Um, since you've been away, you don't remember. Like, I've been away for a few years, but yeah. Well, a lot of these are too obvious, like fuckwit and fuckstick. I mean, no, yeah. But dropping the seed, if you drop the seed bomb, it's like, um, it can be the like endearing, like to a friend. Like there's two ways, endearing or you're being aggressive. Good to see you again. <laughs> yeah, literally like, hey, can't, how you going? <laughs> like, <laughs> stuff like that. Or like, uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, you can't. Like that's like more aggressive. <laughs> that's the, uh, it's, and it's, it is quite common. Right. Works both ways. There's actually, um, there's this, uh, a place in the UK, in Wales called uh, Carnarvon. And that's, it's very common there as well. <laughs> it's just like one village for some reason everyone just says that <laughs> if anyone goes to Wales uh, be, be careful they might, they might rough you up <laughs> oh, have you heard any of the, the cockney rhyming slang uh, rhyming um, slang since you've been down there I've heard some I'm not in London unfortunately so I haven't heard as much but um some of it's crazy. Just, like some of it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I think was it Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels it had like a. I think in the extras it had a an explanation of what all the words meant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's, everyone just brings up these analogies, and like, I think a lot of them it was because they were doing a lot of legal shit as well. So it was a way for them to sort of get get away with it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Is there a particular area of Australia where I might need a, a translation book to, to, even though we're both speaking English? Yeah, probably. If you, um, so any of the big cities, you'll probably be okay. But if you like venture outside, then you'd probably, <laughs> you'd need some help probably. Like it's similar, I think it's similar to the US where, except probably not as many big cities, obviously. And it's not as like, you know, you can drive hours and there's nothing and you get to some like towns and there's like 50 people and they're all crazy and <laughs> they all just <laughs> spend all their time in the pub every like in the bar every night and <laughs> like one of my um my, my girl one of my girlfriend's friends like had to um if you're an international you have to do farm work to sort of like get another visa so she was like doing farm work and she said she just said like <clears throat> they're all crazy like the guy who owned the bar was like an alcoholic and like they had to lock him out and it was quite it was quite bad actually but um but yeah apparently it's just that it's it's a different place if you venture outside the cities it's very different dan even in america you need a translator in some places go meet some of the hill people in the appalachians or uh, the bayou (laughs) yeah the the rednecks (laughs) but i feel like i could go to most places and understand and be understood yeah you'd probably be right um obviously more the a lot of the um aboriginals who are like the uh, traditional people they have their own languages so you probably struggle with that yeah, I was gonna say you probably need a lot of help with that. Yeah, there's like <laughs> 500 different languages across the world, across the country. So. That's actually what came, that's what popped into my head immediately when he said that when he asked this question. <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh, <laughs> I'm understanding. No, you got no chance. But um, one thing I was interested in, like uh, yeah, uh, my girlfriend's from Wales, and they actually have their own language, which I never knew. I don't know if you guys have knew that Gaelic, before. right? Well, oh, it's yeah. actually Welsh. It's well, yeah, it's well, Welsh. Right. Yeah, yep, yep. And they've all got their own language, and yeah, I'd never heard of that before. So that was like a bit of a curveball in it all. <laughs> that, 
and it's it's not a Germanic language and it's not a Latin language. It's a very unique language. Yeah, well, I think there's like there's like eight or nine of them. Um, it's like there's like a Scottish, like um, Gaelic in Scotland, there's Gaelic in Ireland. There's mm-hmm. like a Brittany, which is like Northern France. They have their own language. Uh, Cornwall, which is like a sort of like a county or state in the UK, and they have their own language as well. So it's like all these basically countries, all these places that weren't invaded by the Germans or the Vikings <laughs> or, the, or the Romans or anything, yeah, or the French or any of those people, <laughs> which is pretty cool. Well, this has been a really great yeah. time. Uh, thanks for coming by the shop, Anthony. It's been great having you. Yeah, thanks so much. We didn't actually end up talking that much about NFTs in the end, did we? <laughs> well, we spent things. the first half of it, I think, and then we just yeah, kind of meandered true. from there. Yeah. No, that's all right. I don't mind it. Yeah. I like having a chat. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. For sure. For sure. Kyle, any closing no, thoughts? No, I think we'll have to try to do this again, though. Anthony, where can uh, where can everybody find you if they want to hear more? Yeah. Thanks so much, guys. Um, if they want to actually hear you talk about NFTs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it's funny. I actually haven't talked that much about NFTs. Which is just, I'm going to expand into it more. But um, yeah, as I uh, as you mentioned at the start, I'm the host of the What the Finance podcast. So it's like spelled WTF. Uh, finance sort of like yeah like that <laughs> so everyone hopefully knows um, um, I'm also on Twitter as well just under my name Anthony Fatsies um, but yeah those are probably the best places to find my podcast is on YouTube uh, Spotify or iTunes or anywhere you can find amazing podcasts like like this one alright wonderful 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 alright folks there you have it uh, we're gonna have the links to the What the Finance podcast in the episode description and uh, until next time happy trades bye Two Bulls in a China Shop is an entertainment program, and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks in the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades.